0: episode 38 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Mr. Matt Leach. Hello.
1: Hi. How are you doing?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Good. Today we have Lara Allport on the show which we're going to get into discussion a little bit soon I hope because you've also got a married name now. Um,
2: Indeed, I've turned into a Horsley.
1: Horsley, so Lara or Horsley, Lara Orport, originally from the UK, studied typography at London College of Printing and moved to Australia about 1999. That's correct. How are you feeling about Brexit?
2: Uh, totally on the fence, if I'm honest. Really? Yeah, I think it's it's probably going to be a magical thing, but I don't know enough about it to really...
1: I think there's that really lovely thing where we can watch it from over here and go, oh, I wonder yeah. what's going to happen. this will be
2: interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the blue litmus paper and watch it go.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so Lara's well known in the Sydney design and illustration circles, uh, co-founder and CEO of National Grid, which is a multidisciplinary design studio. And The Drawing Arm, which is an illustration agency uh, representing people like Beastman, Ben Brown, Super Vixen, Numskull, and good friends of ours, Thomas Jackson and Jeremy Lord. She runs both those businesses with her business partner and friend, Simon Barrett and has done for over 10 years. You just had your anniversary, didn't you? That's
2: right. Yeah. On the 11th of June this year and the National Grid turned 10.
1: Wow. Yeah. Congrats.
2: Thanks. A decade of <laughs> yeah. design.
1: So I'm going to go back in my memory breaks here, but I remember a story because you were working in publishing with Simon.
2: That's right, yeah.
1: And it was like really niche stuff, wasn't it? It
2: was. We, we very much started at the bottom of the publishing pile. <laughs> I was scan bitch, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a t- niche pu- technology publishing house. Um, Peter Blasino was the te- uh, technology editor at Channel Seven at the time, and he was doing a whole bunch of sort of custom publishing. The content was really quite dry, actually. Simon and I had to work really hard to make it look sexy. But that was the challenge, and that's mm. what lit yeah. us up, I think. Um, you know, trying to explain the difference between 5.1 and 7.1 surround systems, surround sound oh, systems. Wow. and wow. Yeah. Um,
0: but, but there are some people out there that really care about oh, that, right? yeah,
2: they really care. <laughs> absolutely. And it, it was cool, actually, because it was Nice Pub- Publishing. There, there was... Rarely any budget to work with. Mm. So anything we created, we had to create ourselves. And we took our own photographs, we designed our own typefaces, we illustrated um, infographics to explain new technologies. Mm. Um, All of that had to be done by us because there wasn't the money to commission anybody to do it. So it was, yeah, it was the, the best way of being chucked into the deep end of publishing and design because if you wanted, to make something look cool, you had to do it yourself.
0: Yeah. And that sounds quite generalist as well. Like, you Yeah, it
2: was really broad. Yeah. You know, we had to learn a lot of things on the fly. I mean, Simon and I are largely self-taught as well. So hmm. it was a lot of late nights experimenting. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, some of the results. I still look back on some of the mags that we did, Pixel Mag in particular. I remember and, Pixel Mag. Yeah. yeah. It, it was only 13 issues deep when it folded, which we were devastated about. Um, but it was it was an awesome mag when it was in its day. It was fun to work There's on. There's
1: not many mags out there
0: now. I was just think, I, It's so funny you should say that. I was just thinking. I wonder how long it'll take for these things to become vintage and collectors' items and yeah. things yeah. like that. Like a Australian magazine that you know.
2: I'm, I'm really upset that I don't have all 13 Pixelman yeah. still actually mm. because you know every other page was a really elaborate illustration. Um, that Simon and I did because we just lived to do that stuff all day and every day, and we we put hours into mm. some of the stories. And yeah, some of those graphics I look back on today and still think that that's rad. That's
0: all right. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So, do you have like a digital copies of these, or do you think that they may have gone out into the world Could and then some Quark of them have or... p- perhaps yeah, they, died? It was, it was mm. all
2: done in Quark Express, so that that really shows how old it is. Um, I have no idea. I'll have to look it up, Google it, see if there's any digital copies out there. There's mm. certainly, the, you know, the digital magazine didn't really exist back then. It was no. really all print. So whether anybody scanned it in and made a digital version of it, I don't know. Because I know there were a few sort of Pixel Mag fans mm. out there back in the days. Collectors. <laughs> yeah,
1: cool. Collectors. So what happened? Because it sounds like an amazing job. Yeah. What made you go, let's ditch all this?
2: It was actually Barrett's idea, and um, he said, you know, why don't we start a graphic design company? And at that point, I freaked out and (coughs) left for Los Angeles to go and do a Bikram yoga teacher training course, because I thought, there's there's no way I want to run a business, that sounds far too scary. And actually, I was a bit burnt out at the time, and that's why I sort of ran off and thought, I'm going to teach yoga for the rest of my life, because then I can be zen and calm, because... I was really tired and quite stressed.
1: And you did do that for a while,
3: didn't you?
2: I did, yeah. I taught um, almost full-time for 12 months. Um, But the first thing I did when I got back from that course was design myself a Bikram Yoga Certified (laughs) Instructor business card. So um, it never really left me. And I think doing that course, if anything, actually gave me the balls to do what I've done with both the businesses because um, it bolstered my confidence and self-belief like you wouldn't believe it's the hardest thing I've ever done apart from giving birth Um, (laughs) and yeah it kind of it gave me it plugged a few of my holes and gave me the confidence to go actually I think we could do this let's do it Simon and we did
1: so can I jump into that a little bit more like what what, what was it that kind of plugged those holes I guess like
2: Um, I think it was learning to doubt the doubts. Um, there's something about the Bikram Yoga teacher training that's really intense. Um, you know, you're, you're awake for 20 hours a day. Wow. Um, you're practicing two classes a day in near 40 degree heat. Um, it's, it's very intensive and it's nine weeks and there's no escaping it. You're just in that environment for the nine week period. And you kind of... You know, un- like an onion, you just peel back all your layers, and you just get right back to your own real core, mm. and build up again. And it's a, it's a really weird process. That's the best way I can dest- yeah, describe that's,
3: it. that's amazing. <laughs> so, it's,
0: so it's like a crash. It's like a crash course kind of thing. Yeah, like it's an intensive kind of.
2: It's an intensive yeah. teaching. like training. the
0: Master Chef of Bikram Yoga. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right.
0: Cool. And so, and so um, did you come back straight away from there? I'm just trying to match the timeline. Yeah,
2: I came back and did the yoga thing for 12 yeah. months, but I was still working with Simon in the design world. Right. And he kind of chipped away at me <laughs> over a 12-month period and said, come <laughs> on, we've got to do this. And it, it all started when we, um, we were looking at the space next door to the publishing house, which is deep in the heart of Bonnie Brookvale neatly nestled between the two brothels on chard road and uh, it it had been a vacant space for such a long time i think four maybe five years uh so we were able to negotiate a really good rent rate which Mm. i'm so grateful for because we're still pretty much on that rent rate
0: are the brothels still there yeah they are (laughs) absolutely (laughs) wow
2: yeah Um, but yeah, the space was run down, and that's how we, we got in so cheaply, and we did a lot of work to it. I think, I think Matt, you were there when we were painting yeah, the walls and
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, you know, busting down partitions and getting rid of nasty UV strip lighting. And the space had such potential, and renovating it was so rewarding, because we really, you, know, polished polish that turd man it looks really good now (laughs) and if uh, once you get inside the national grid you can almost forget you're in brookvale right it's it's a lovely lofty split mezzanine warehouse and you know now we've tarted it up it looks really cool
0: Great, after (laughs) 10 years? Has that been 10 years there?
2: Well, actually, it's a work in progress. I think we made it look really good, you know, straight out of the gates before we kind of opened the doors of the National Grid. Within, you know, six months, it was looking pretty sharp. Mm. But we just keep, you know, adding to it over time. Mm. Um, Yeah.
1: I I wanted to ask about the name as well, because I remember when you set it up, and I noticed recently it's got, it's got like a little bit at the end now as well. Yeah. So it... Design distillery. Yeah. Is that something that added on after a while
2: or um I think it was probably around two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight we started thinking about what our positioning would be. Mm-hmm. Um and we uh, Simon and I were and still are big drinkers at the time, and we we started to see strong parallels between the process of distilling really good whiskey and what we do. <laughs> in that you have to sort of you know lovingly collect all of your ingredients, and then you've got to you know mash them mash them together and let them ferment and pop and fizz and develop, and then you sort of look at it again and you brush it down and you refine it and polish it, and it takes time and the end product is really well thought about, really crafted and really delicious and yeah. we just we just saw a lot of parallels in in that process and and our process, which is why we did the whole design distillery thing, and that you know we were pretty much. Yeah, I won't tell you how much we were consuming whiskey-wise at that, that point in our lives, but it was kind of holding things together. It was lubricating We've the wheels. You've
0: actually got a whole wall made out of whiskey bottles. I know what's going on. You're just, trying to, you're just trying to buy as much whiskey as possible and write it all off with tax. That's exactly right.
2: Yeah. It's a clever so, strategy. We're actually um, kind of ditching the whole dis- design distillery um, positioning currently at the moment. We're, we're repositioning at the moment because I think we've, we've grown up a, a little bit since then. You know, it's less about late nights and, and drinking and it's more about running a really savvy business these days. Mm. Um, yeah, she says, having a swig of her beer.
0: Hey, you're not working. You're not working right now. Can we just jump jump back a little bit and talk a little bit about um, for those that might not know and have access to to a computer at the moment to check out what you guys do? What What is it that you guys do?
2: Well, we're a creative thinking and design company, hmm. um, predominantly graphic design, branding mostly. Yep. So everything from identity creation and the strategy around that through to you know full rollout of stationery brochures websites apps if you need it um, packaging it's actually our our clientele and the diversity of what we deliver is very broad because we 've mm. never niched in one industry so our service list is ridiculously long actually there's a lot that we have done and there's a lot that we've got examples of doing. Probably m- more broad than a lot of other design agencies because we we never we chose to never niche.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that was that was a strategy from the beginning, or is that based on you and you and Simon going back to when you're doing your own photography on a budget and things like that, and kind of stemmed from there?
2: It's a good question actually, and I'm not entirely sure what the answer is. I think we've organically attracted that, mm. um, and along the way, made it our purpose to stay that way because I think what happens to creative people when they niche is they can fall into the trap of delivering the same things for the same people in the same industry over and over again Mm -hmm. and I think if you choose not to niche every time you get a brief it forces you to start again and you can't think right well that worked for that person so I'll just bosh out the same deliverables you have to really think about the problem that you're trying to solve and what delivers what deliverables are best going to match the most effective way to you know solve their problem Mm. so it's more exhausting definitely because (laughs) you really have to work quite hard every time something comes across your desk um but at the same time it's more rewarding because it's not repetitive every single week at the national grid is is different and you know our clients are in the FMCG space the new technology space the property space the start up and entrepreneur space like mental health um, there's it's so broad mm. um, and I think that also has a knock on effect in keeping the studio kind of finger on the pulsey because it's always so different each week everyone has to you know really bring their A game because it's a challenge a new challenge every single time Mm yeah
1: how how many people have you got there now uh
2: we've just restructured at the moment we're a core team of six but we have a sort of expand and contract model at the moment um in that over the 10 years we've connected with some incredible you know talent and amazing suppliers and producers and this sort of goes back to the when the project hits your table, you look at the project and think, right, how best to solve this problem and which team of guns am I going to pull together to bring about the best possible result for that particular brief. So, and it allows us to stay more nimble too. You know, having that core team of six, you still have the same flavor running through every project that comes through, but you get to pull that person in for this project or, or this person in for that project. And that kind of mix and blend collaborative approach is really exciting and keeps the studio fresh, keeps us fresh and keeps our work fresh, in my humble opinion.
1: Is it, it, um, absolutely. And it's, <laughs> but I think also, you know, when I, when I look at your studio, it has this kind of real sort of family feel as well. Yeah. Which is really lovely. And, I, you know, I was thinking about, you know, Flynn, you brought Mills over from us
0: too. That's a very flattering way to say that Mills happened to be in town and I hijacked his trip. but thank you yeah yeah Yeah, the massive budget that i have i flew someone from the uk and back (laughs) for a 45 minute
1: talk yeah let's roll with it but he was talking about uh and that kind of the how to build a company like a family and that kind of thing and i and i instantly thought of of you and barrett and just what you guys do and and that kind of it feels like that is that is that a conscious thing or is that yeah, organically
2: we've always believed that a family that eats together stays together and um you know to this day we we still have lunch all together and um i see that's
1: really important Yeah, We it, need to do that more
2: it mm. is because actually some of the best conversations that take place are around that table yeah um and that that extends further it's not it's not just lunch you know we we regularly all go to curly for a swim in the middle of the day and all just get in the ocean together and that sounds a bit funky it's really not that funky we just go for a swim and we have a chat and a burger afterwards and um you'll be amazed what that can do to your sort of creative energy levels just getting your head under and hanging out all together as a as a team um because you're at work a lot and if you don't like who you're working with um that can be pretty miserable and miserable is something my studio is definitely not it's one of the Happiest working environments, I think you'll, you'll find.
1: How do, and how, how do you make that? How do you consciously, as boss lady, yep. how, how do you make that happen?
2: Work life balance has always been very important to me. And mm-hmm. I think that's because I did hit that point in, in my career fairly early on before I disappeared to Los Angeles and went, fuck this, I'm leaving the whole lot behind. <laughs> I never wanted to decide another thing again. Burnout is common with creatives because we do struggle to switch off and shut down
3: yeah
2: Um, in fact we never do let's face it it's just not possible our brains don't work like that and so i think for me personally you know going off to la and doing that yoga thing coming back and thinking if i'm going to start a company i'm going to make it my mission to enforce work-life balance because um you know that's not to say there are you know there aren't late nights and there aren't long hours on occasion of course you know that's the the nature of the game but if anyone is looking like they're sort of touching that burnout point, I'm very quick to recognise it and take steps to um, you know, remedial action yeah. immediately. You, know, go, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. Away. Or, you know, take a take a break, take yeah. a holiday. Because Is this
1: the Barry burnout that I've heard you talk about? Before?
2: Yeah, yeah, Barry Burnout. Our friend Barry, we don't we don't like Barry very much. But um, when he rears his ugly head, um we yeah we take steps to make sure that it doesn't take hold because that can really um, mm. spoil a creative spirit. Um, and it's important to, to rest and hang out with your friends and do the family thing and swim. Swim. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, family thing. Yes. So you've got two boys, bouncing boys now. Two
2: beautiful boys, yes.
1: Under the age of three.
2: Yes. Will is five months and James is two and a half.
1: So my wife, when I said that you were coming on, she was like, how the hell does she do it?
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, a lot of people ask me that. I think I'm I'm probably a little bit crazy, but um, actually all credit to my team because I think when I went on maternity leave with James... At the time, I was probably doing four, maybe even five people's jobs, and the team looked quite different back then. Um, We made some brilliant hiring decisions, and I started to offload some of those responsibilities and distribute some of those tasks. And the results of me being on maternity leave this time around has been way better right um it was a bit wobbly when i was away with james and i think it was very stressful for simon in particular uh which is not to say it's not been stressful for him this time around (laughs) um but it's been a lot better credit to the amazing core of guns i've got sitting in that studio they are very good at what they do much better at the jobs that i was doing than i was if you know what i mean
0: so hiring people Um, that are but yeah. better than you that's yeah. the strategy absolutely. right Yeah, absolutely
2: yeah. and, and all, I've done all of their jobs and they're all much better at it than I am great that's what so, you want exactly yeah, yeah. 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 and um, I think that's, that's how it can be done mm-hmm. by hiring people who are better than you
0: <laughs> so if you're out there planning to have kids, you've yeah. just, just got to start a start business. High. Ten years later, <laughs> yeah. seven years later, you'll be you'll be all set, ready to go.
2: It's really important to remember when running a business that nobody's irreplaceable, including the founders. Mm. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, even as a founder, you've just got to take a load off. Like you're perfectly entitled to have a life. You're perfectly entitled yeah. to have a family. And you're perfectly entitled to, you know, take breaks when you need to. And... um, a lot of founders don't, and they, and they run themselves into the ground because they take on you know, massive amounts of responsibility. If you delegate a few things here and a few things there and just spread the load, it can, it, it can be done. Mm,
0: cool.
2: But I'm glad this is a radio interview because if you saw how fucking tired I look, right now, you won't believe a word I'm saying.
0: You
3: <laughs> I'm haven't seen the cameras? It's cameras.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is tough, though, because uh, weekends are so sacred, for me, and but then I find I have to work on weekends, and so I had this plan: I'm going to get up really early, and then get a couple of hours in, and yeah. then, I, then I can forget it for the whole for the whole day. But the kids have caught on, so they're now waking up or setting alarms, so
2: oh, they, they no. can wake up sabotage. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, no, but it is it is really tough.
2: It, it is tough, and I think you know, maternity leave as a as a business owner is is a funky metaphor for. I can't tell you how many Skypes I've done while breastfeeding or emails that have been sent in the middle of the night while breastfeeding. (laughs) Um, And actually, there's something in that um, because sometimes I write things in the middle of the night when I'm breastfeeding and I revisit it the next day and think, okay, that was pretty awesome, actually. Sleep deprivation and that kind of headspace can actually take you to a different creative zone. So in some ways, it's, it's helped. Not mm. always, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you're never really off on leave when you're a business owner.
0: And certainly business owner, but businesses, yeah, right? Because we've got yep. a whole other thing that we get to talk about now. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Did you want to? Yeah, well, so,
1: so the drawing arm is, what, four and a half years old? It is, yeah. And so that's a whole whole other thing but obviously quite tied because the national grid does like its illustration Mm -hmm. and it it has that kind of feel feel to it but but how did the drawing arm start because that it kind of came out of nowhere i guess from an outsider's point of view
2: yeah it was um it was actually the result of having hosted a string of um art exhibitions at the national grid So in 2008, we opened the National Grid Gallery um, because the space was so cool. When we, when we first moved into it, um, we had the studio downstairs and Simon and I were like, this is so indulgent. You know, this space is just calling out for, <laughs> for something, not just us kicking around, you know, pushing out magazine pages. So we ended up moving the studio up into the, onto the mezzanine floor and using the, the main hall as a gallery space. And, we, yeah, we hosted a lot of exhibitions. I think possibly as many as 52. Wow. Yeah, every month. And, you know, we organized beverage sponsorship and we had bands playing in the car park. They were huge parties, actually, mm. let's, let's be honest. Um, I'm not even sure we sold a just shitload n- of just art. Just another
1: reason to drink more whiskey. But... <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just creating more excuses to yeah. get our booze on.
1: I'm not um, an alcoholic. I host parties. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, at the time, we had to come to places like Surrey Hills to see really cool art. Yeah. Um, you know, China Heights and Ambush, those guys were showing really amazing artwork, and there was nothing like that on the northern beaches. So we thought, you know, why why can't we just, yeah. you know, show this um, show the work over here so that people don't have to cross the bridge? Um, so we started hosting regular exhibitions, which were a lot of fun, but a lot of work and exhausting and not very lucrative if I'm honest but the upshot of hosting all these exhibitions is the talent that we were meeting we were just blown away by every single person who exhibited Simon and I just started thinking again we're kind of in that world we're in the commercial space Mm. what if we suggested to one or two of these guys if they'd be interested in representation so we approached 22 initially of the artists who had exhibited in our space if they'd be interested in commercial representation and unanimously they all said yes.
0: Did none of them have any representation at the time? Or? No,
2: some of them were doing commercial work but mm. nobody was represented. Oh, so wow. Which, yeah, I think that's probably largely because... no, And they were established, they were really established but they were also a bit street and a bit underground and mm. um, that kind of un- street art, underground art thing was was going off. So was the commercial world ready for that, apparently. <laughs> Turns out they
0: are, yeah. I think everyone, I think everyone knows, knows who Brad Eastman is now.
2: Exactly. You know, and, exactly. yeah, actually
0: thinking back, yeah, it probably was four or five years ago when that was all really exploding on the commercial
3: scene. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So uh, it, it was a logical progression for us to sort of make it happen. And it came, the timing was brilliant, actually, because we'd had two really good years at the National Grid and we actually for once had, you know, a bit of profit floating about um, and rather than you know taking a nice holiday or you know buying a new car, Simon and I reinvested everything into launching the drawing arm. Um, so we actually birthed the idea probably six years ago, and it took us a good two years to really build it properly.
3: Yeah.
2: And to this day, I think the the launch party that we held for the drawing arm was was one of the best days of my life, actually. Oh really? Um, yeah. Well, it was Can it was open. Uh, we hired District 01 Gallery, which has since moved, I think, but it was just off Oxford Street at the time.
0: We uh, we used to run a Tractor there. Right. For a while. Yeah, yeah it, was a,
2: it was a cool space. It we, was an
0: awesome space, yeah. We
2: liked it because it was similar to our own, but we thought it, it being on Oxford Street, people might actually turn up, which yeah. was always a bit of a, a hazard with our shows. It's like, are people going to come to Brookwell?
0: That's. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that's Sydney anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we
2: thought, bang smack on the middle of Oxford Street, you know, right. you, can, you can't go wrong. And uh, we invited, you know, a broad spectrum of, of people, predominantly um, people in the advertising space, which is who we recognize were the most likely people who'd be commissioning mm. illustration to begin with. So, you know, art buyers, executive creative directors and producers, we we hit up as many of those um, that we knew and found a few that we didn't know and just took a punt and invited them. And, and the numbers were there. Um, The best part about opening the drawing arm at District 01 was the the speech by Reg Mombasa, which, I mean, Simon and I have been massive fans of Reg for forever, and uh, he agreed to come and open the drawing arm and uh, gave one of the most brilliant speeches in true Reg Mombasa, completely unconventional, non-conformer style. And, uh, yeah, we were sponsored by Hendrix Gin, <laughs> uh, which helps. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: And yeah, it was a really good night. A really good turnout. Really good night. And that was it. The following Monday, you know, the phone was ringing and the emails were coming in, and wow. it was it was happening. We were off. So that's how it all started. Wow. We now represent fifty-two illustrators. Um, so it has well exponentially each year the business and. Um, you know how, how everything's been tracking has well doubled each year, so it's it's starting to settle down now, um, and we'll see what happens.
1: Now, have you put a limit on how many illustrators you'll take on? Because I know
2: fifty was our limit. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're now at fifty-two. So um, yes, is the straight answer to your question in that we don't want to flood the market. Um, or make it too confusing for the end user to find an illustrator, um, which I think can happen if you represent too many people. And we are extremely discerning about who we represent. I can't be- I can't tell you how disappointing it is to turn away some of the mm. incredible talent that yeah. have applied. Um, but we've we've really really got to love what they do because at the end of the day. Um, We're the ones out there selling them and it's our reputation on the line. We do want to keep the numbers uh, on the reserved side, I'll say. Manageable. Manageable, exactly. (laughs) But I'm not ruling out kind of growing exponentially as the team and as the um, requirement for our service does, if that makes any sense.
0: So from an operational standpoint, you have the six people with the national grid. Mm -hmm. That includes yourself and Simon? Yes. Yep. And so that's... this. It seems like it's very agile, kind of something different every day. Yeah. Kind of we could be working with FMCG or we could be doing a surf brand. We could be doing a charity thing. We could be doing, doing a website, digital yep. product. But then we come back to um, the kind of illustration representation thing. That seems like a bit more like a managing essentially 52 people plus clients. It's, that it's, seems it's a very full service kind yeah, of. it's every...
2: talent management. Yeah, That's right. That's exactly what it is.
0: That's like refreshing every 10 minutes. Yeah. Like someone has to answer the call, someone has to answer the email, it has to be the right answer, Yeah, time management, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> These seem like almost polar opposites in terms of how a business would run.
2: They're very different, different business models, but right. you'd be amazed how much crossover and similarity that there are between the two. Yeah. Um, we've got an amazing account director who is on the tools kind of fielding these briefs as they come in but when they do that's when it gets collaborative from our perspective in that everyone from the national grid team is involved in trying to think who's going to be the best match for that brief and how we can solve their problem so although there'll be one person um one point of contact responding to the brief that comes in we're all thinking about it and if we don't have an illustrator that's perfect for that brief there's a very good chance that simon and i know someone who'd be perfect and we we may not actually be representing them Mm -hmm. Uh, we're in the habit of making it our mission to solve briefs and help the art buyer or the producer get the best results and if we can't do that with our stable of 52 illustrators we'll do our very best to find someone who'll fit
0: and that's a great long-term strategy because then there's people are going to come back to you,
1: aren't they? That's
2: And it builds we're trust hoping. and
1: everything, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you guys are both artists and illustrators in your own mm. right. We are. Just give Simon every job.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: gives you, he gives Laurie every job.
2: We do represent ourselves, yeah. I won't lie. Um, and we've both had you know, good gigs out of the drawing arm. Great. But you know, we'll only put ourselves forward for a gig if it's appropriate, of course. Of course. Um, and largely it's whenever people have asked for Simon or I, they've actually asked for Simon or I specifically for mm-hmm. for our very different styles um, from each other, not different.
1: I think one of the <laughs> things looking at the website is it's very easy to see styles, um, and, and it feels like it's, okay, that's the style I'm looking for, so it's quite easy to sort of pick and choose your, your artist, illustrators. I mean, I guess I wanted to ask that as well. I mean, what do you call yourself? Are you an artist or an illustrator? Because I know... I think I went to one of your first exhibitions uh peeps show yeah that, that was
2: back of the day that
1: was back in the day I mean, <laughs> that was um that was all oil paint, wasn't it
2: it was yeah, oil on canvas behind a uh, velvet curtain
1: that's right <laughs> but but I know you also do a lot of illustrator work, yes, so what are they very different sides of your professional personality or are they are they linked
2: um I think they are intrinsically linked but they're they're probably two two different sides of my personality oil painting um is where i tend to let my hair down a bit more and i'm much more sort of regimented and disciplined with my vector illustration it's a lot cleaner (laughs) um so yeah i guess the two disciplines scratch two different itches
1: (laughs) so how much oil do you get to do
2: these days, not a lot. Um, painting with oils was always something that I did in my spare time. And now there's not a whole heap of that floating around. <laughs> so I'm, if, if I'm on the tools at all, it's m- more in the illustration space at the moment. So I'm doing more vector work than I am oil work at the moment. Um, that said, you know, I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. I've, I still have ideas and I've got a sketchbook full of stuff I want to do when I get more time. And I hope... To create more time to pick it back up again Mm -hmm. eventually
1: I I loved one of your illustrations and it was in a prize I think and it was the um, the one with the sign in it no stopping no stopping yeah Yeah, and I really loved how you talked about it because you talked about this idea of um, that you know this sort of beautiful kind of landscape but then this big kind of bold sign and you you kind of equated that to Australia in many ways
2: yeah, and just the message behind it. You know, in this life, there is no stopping. And, it, and every time I see one of those signs, it actually forces me to be present. Right. And I really like that about yeah, Australian street signs. <laughs> um, and that was actually the first digital art piece ever to be accepted at the Paddington Art Prize. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. Cool. That's that's pretty impressive. I put Vector on the map. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I should have had that in the bio. Um, (laughs) Was that a series, though? Because it looked like, it sounded like it was going to be, because I know that you've got another piece under the Harbour Bridge with a stop sign on it.
2: Yeah. It was going to be a series, but like with a lot of things, I take on, I either run out of time or move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, will I complete my no-stopping series at some point? I'd like to think so, definitely, because you know the idea was was to capture Sydney's beauty and always have that trademark reminder. Yeah, to you know, in this life, there is no stopping. Stay present.
1: Who's uh, Jeffrey Smart? Does that in a really nice way as well, and the kind of he not Australian landscapes, but landscapes, but then he throws in kind of something very industrial, very man-made to kind of show that contrast, which yeah, is Yeah,
2: I nice. love it. I love that juxtaposition between sort of man-made and mm. and natural beauty. That's that's cool.
1: I wanted to ask how it works for you and Simon or, or anyone working at the National Green, if you get an illustration job from the drawing arm, mm-hmm. do you get to do that in work hours or yeah, is Yeah, we do. Right. <laughs> we do.
2: Absolutely. Largely because um, when the brief lands, the timeline lands with it and sometimes things need to be turned around quickly, which yep. means you've got to do it now. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it does. And I think um, that probably gains the respect of the people in the studio in some ways as well yep. um, and it reminds them that we we are actually artists and illustrators as well mm-hmm. um, I very rarely get on the tools these days um, but when I do that's respected by my team yep. Um
1: Rolling out the quark and
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I can use Creative Suite, dusting <laughs> off
0: the <to> Apple Mac. <laughs> yeah, totally. I've still I, got it, guys.
2: <laughs> I still illustrate with a hockey puck, though. I've never used a Wacom tablet, so oh, really? I, I am puck? actually pretty old That's school good. still. Cool. But uh, yeah, fortunately for me, that sort of vector clean, smooth look is coming back around. So I've actually been booked um, a couple of times just this week.
1: Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> yeah. You. Which is funny. You know. it's Back in sm- the game. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And mostly mostly advertising? Like, it's is it advertising jobs?
2: Yeah, so um, the, the drawing arm is, I'd say, 60% advertising yep. work. Um, and we work with all the larger agencies, as well as some of the smaller ones. Um, you know, Saatchi, M&Cs, DDB, those guys all use us. <clears throat> but we also work with publishing houses. Uh, we work with brands direct sometimes. They'll, they'll find us and come to us without the agency, which is interesting. That seems to be happening more and more. Um, it, yeah, it's really mixed, but, yeah, mostly advertising, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just, just to go back to your career as an illustrator artist, because you got married a couple of years ago. Yep. And how do you – because I imagine that's, that's a female – Problem that males don't have to deal with, but well, they, male, males have to get married too. It's, yeah, well, but it's, <laughs> probably, it's a problem for both of us. <laughs> but the um, you're building up a bit of a brand name, I guess.
2: Yeah, yep. And, and then so, you've got to change your name.
1: And have you <laughs> have you changed your name in, in that kind of creative?
2: Professionally, I haven't, actually, and that, okay. and that is exactly for that reason. Um, you know, Lara Allport occupied the first seven pages of Google in my heyday.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, Lara Horsley doesn't exist anywhere, as far as I know, apart from Facebook, maybe. Right. Um. So p- from a professional standpoint, um, I asked my husband if he'd have a problem with that, yeah, and he yeah. said he's cool with that. Um, but everywhere else, I'm Horsley. You know, Medicare, Centrelink, all those greats, I'm Horsley. Yeah.
0: It's surprising that there's not like a, like a piece of code or something like that that you could, you know, make a Google Plus account or something and then enter in, this is my maiden name, this is my new name, and L- it sort LinkedIn of sorts does. the... LinkedIn
2: does it? And Facebook does too. So maybe so, Google Plus does. Yeah, I'm sure they do because yeah, it's, it, su- it it's such a common thing. Yeah. You know, and even from a supplier perspective, like if you were trying to find a, a supplier and their name has changed, um, it, I have been found... Um, through LinkedIn, even as Lara Horsley. Because I think I changed it quite recently on LinkedIn to Lara Horsley. But it comes
0: it, up with the brackets or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Right. I've seen yeah. that on Facebook, but, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. But I, it must work with SEO. Maybe one of our hyper-intelligent listeners will, will tell me how wrong yeah. I am for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason.
1: <laughs> I wanted to jump back to the national good because I, I read somewhere that this year, last year, you made a very conscious decision about your clients, um, and about maybe potentially not taking every job that came through the door, but being yep. quite picky.
2: Absolutely. Um, in fact, we're getting more and more discerning now, um, for two reasons. I think the first reason is that unless unless people come to us and they're as passionate and driven about seeing something work, what, why should we be? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if if they're not, if their passion for it working isn't matched by our passion to make it work then it's not it's never going to take off it's never going to happen it's never going to fly so if we don't instantly feel like the person commissioning us to do something has really kind of thought about it and really wants to make it happen we kind of shy away from those prospects because we spent the first four years of the national grid doing that every single project that came in we bent over backwards to do our very best for them and a lot of them were startups ups actually back then and you know a small percentage of them are still in operation today and yeah. you know I I, I'd like to think it's got nothing to do with the delicious branding that we poured our yeah. hearts and souls into. And, and it says more about, you know, they, they just weren't really clear on their vision or didn't have the drive to really see that idea through and take it to places and commercialize it properly. Because so, it's,
1: it's really popular at the moment to like for all the startups. And there's like whole agencies or studios out there who are uh, set up basically to service startups.
2: Yeah. And that's actually an area we are backing right away from, because right. we've spent the first five years of existence in that space, and we know what it's like.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, startups have no budgets. Um, securing funding is something we've helped people do. You know, we've put a bucket load of investor memorandums together, and yep. we've actually, you know, joint ventured with some of these people and pitched on their behalf and lined them up with investors that we know and... Um, you know some of them have worked and that's fantastic when it does but so many of them haven't so unless we're really confident that who we're going to be dedicating our creative resources energy and passion to unless you know we're really into it Mm. we just don't want to do it because we've got our our own products that we want to develop uh, that we're serious and passionate about so um, and I think for Simon and I that's that's become increasingly more prevalent because we are so time poor. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're gonna spend time on anything, it's gotta be really worthwhile. It's gotta be worth it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, how how does that process work? If one of you vetoes it, then it's vetoed, or is there a...
2: Yeah, it's an all-in situation. If somebody doesn't like the the smell of it, it's, you know, we either price ourselves out of contention or graciously point them in another direction.
1: I like the pricing, pricing yourself out.
2: (laughs) Sometimes that can backfire, and (laughs) it has in the past. They're like, yes, cool, Um, we'd like to commission you to do that. And you're like, fuck, didn't see that coming. (laughs) Now we've got to do this project, and we really didn't want to.
0: (laughs) Oh, and yeah, just right back. And also, we don't really want to do it anyway. So thanks for meeting us halfway. (laughs) We don't like you so much. Um, I know. I realize we're jumping around here, but wanted to talk a little bit about kind of turning people away um, in terms of illustration talent. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about um, our listeners out there who might be kind of up and coming. Yeah. Um, what are that? What are they got to do to wow you to to get to number fifty three? The fifty right. third person you represent. What do you? What have you got to see?
2: It's a very difficult question. Um. Very difficult question, and I, I have to be completely honest and say that Simon and I make every rep- representational decision purely from gut and instinct. Um, Simon has a genius mind and has this uncanny ability to predict trends before they happen and he watches industry, he watches market, he watches creative and is v- very often ahead of the curve with a lot of things. So. And you know, I, I've been known to, to pick something hot on occasion too. So mm-hmm. it's it's a purely gut feel. So you there's can't tell no, us you
0: can't you can't give no us any sort of insight.
2: Not really. Yeah. Um, what I, I can tell you what not to do. And what some people do. <laughs> that's, that's the same. That's, that's the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We have a uh, represent at thedrawingarm.com.au dot com. dot au email, which is where you, the journey begins. Okay. You write to us and you let us know who you are and you show us your work. People who go, hey, you know, hey, going, and here's a link to my website. I'd love to be represented. Will be looked at, but generally, they're not off to a, a flying start. Um, people who have done a little bit of homework and. Um, recognise the flavour of what we do and who we work with and how we do it I think have a better chance of being taken more seriously sometimes it's screamingly obvious that they don't really know who we are either not not as people but as an agency and and how we Mm. work and they've obviously just written a sort of blanket email to a whole bunch of global illustration agencies and we're just one of many. In fact, S-
0: slightly different, like text in a different yeah. kind of font. And yeah, sometimes not even. It in, sometimes <laughs> and it's even. like, yeah.
2: wow, okay, you really want to be represented by the drawing art, clearly. <laughs> um, or just anyone who'll have you. Present your work in, in the best possible light. Don't put it in if you're not sure about it. You know, you've really got to back yourself and be confident about the, the work that you've done And if you love it, include it. If it's not commercial, I don't care. That's my job, to match you with a commercial scenario. We get a lot of commercial portfolios coming through. Like, it's great to see that you can do commercial work. By all means, tell us about that. But we're more about allowing people to express themselves with integrity. So we'd rather see your sketchbooks and the stuff that you've done that maybe hasn't gone anywhere because that tells us so much more about you and your style and your ability to illustrate and communicate visually than anything you've done for coca-cola in the past which was probably to brief
0: right does that make sense it does yeah. yeah and something i've something i've learned from jeremy and i might be butchering this a little bit but he he often says that a lot of the stuff that um, you will do in commercial illustration. Not all of it is the sexy stuff you're going to put on the front page of your oh, portfolio totally. as yeah. well. We said yeah. the, the, um, what's the, the bread and butter. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. Let's yeah. edit that out and make me sound smarter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the bread and butter of it um, can can often be stuff that you wouldn't want to necessarily have on the front of your portfolio. I don't want to be known for this Absolutely. illustration that was copying someone else's illustration that was done 40 years ago. Or,
2: and with you know, that first introduction of you know, exposing yourself to an agency for representation you're better off you know, bearing your soul so to speak okay. and if we need proof from you that you have done or can do commercial work that's maybe a second conversation. Yeah. Right. The first conversation needs to be a true expression of who you are, how you work and what your flavour is because it's then our job to make that a, you know, a commercial reality for you. Mm. So, a way you can make a living.
0: And, and and obviously, if that fits in with your stable as well, if you you know have a very talented vector artist, for example, on your yeah, on your tot- bill, you might not need a
2: Totally, you, 20th you always need kind of a, a few of, of every type of discipline. And hmm. um, because if one person's not available, you don't you don't want to let your client down. You've still got to find them someone who can deliver. Um, and actually, one of the reasons why we love Jeremy so much is for his versatility. So you know he he's known for a range of disciplines because he's he's such a good illustrator mm. um and that's that's really handy as well so you know if you ha- if if you're a specialist at one thing by all means tell us about that but if if you are capable to do other varieties as well show that too because versatility is a, a commercial plus mm. definitely
1: cool I want to jump back. It feels like I'm the national grid and you're <laughs> Which is funny because you, oh, no. you, you can paint and I can't draw to save my
2: life. So.
1: Um, I want to jump back to the grid and particularly with the jetpack, which but that was last year? It was, yeah. So just let me get this right. It was you, you basically were giving away $10,000 mm-hmm. to a client. Yep. Ten, so $10,000 worth of work. Yeah. To, talk us through because just I remember seeing it and going, wow, that's an interesting kind of uh, capturing leads potentially.
2: Well, and and for us. It- Essentially it could have been capturing the wrong leads too. Right. Because you know, we'd <laughs> well, already <the> bottles <laughs> turned up straight away. <laughs> well
0: no, we've got twenty grand, Do you take cash. <laughs>
2: it was definitely appealing to the startup market who we'd already decided yeah. we didn't want a bar of unless oh, they were course. really serious. And I guess the the, <laughs> the theory behind jetpack was to inspire and also act as a bit of a filter, really, because if people were gonna apply for it. They had to have had their vision because we put them in front of a panel, quite an intimidating panel too. I,
1: I just love the fact that it's oh.
0: kind
3: of like
1: we're, we're so we're so set up now. We're actually you
0: have to apply for us to work for you. Quite, I mean, twenty k on the twenty k on the table.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what it did is it it filtered for us. So because we we love working with startups because you know nine times out of ten they are the most passionate to work with and yeah. for. Um, but we really want those ones who want to, who really want to up level and take it to the next level. And what Jetpack did um, in a rather, you know, arrogant fashion <laughs> <laughs> is filter out the people who hadn't got their shit together, and yeah. and it worked brilliantly. We had applications from all over, and it was, it was heartbreaking to you know whittle down to the the top three. In all honesty, because every single application that came through. we we wanted to work with, um, with the exception of a handful, which I won't go into. I
1: really want to know.
2: (laughs) But uh, our top three ended up being as diverse as you could possibly imagine. There was uh, a software company um, developing a product in the cancer space. Wow. Um, Burke Marine was one. Uh, They're an outdoor apparel company. Um, and I can't remember who the third one is.
0: That's really bad. Two out of three isn't. Bad. <laughs> That's fine. It's not the one that went uh, ahead, no, was it? No,
2: it was a pie company. Okay. Um, I like pies. Yeah, a pie company, and we're massive foodies. So it was a really broad, broad <laughs> mix, and.
0: A whiskey pie. A whiskey
2: pretty. pie. Yeah. That's how they got <laughs> the, no booze applicants. We were devastated. We were like, where, where are the, you know, boutique gin distillers and, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the craft beer labels? Like, anyway, it didn't, it didn't happen. I can see
1: Leach's legacy maybe applying yeah. for the next <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Stop pitching your beer.
2: <laughs> but essentially, you know, the three, the top three people that we chose had already been in operation for at least two years. Right. At least. And, you know, they, they had a turnover. They had an existence. And they just wanted to up-level. And that, I think at, at our stage of careers, that's where we're more interested to, to play. Um, we'd rather work with people who are in that place than right at the beginning. Yeah. Because mm. we've done that for ages. And
1: S- So I'm assuming the, the cancer application won?
2: Everybody did. But everyone in, did. In true unconventional National Grid style, we chose Burke Marine. Oh, wow. Because the challenge was bigger for us. Okay. Um, Do we feel bad about that? Not really. You know, Simon and I have done so much work in the charity, we call it the warm and fuzzy mental health space. You know, do we feel bad about turning away something that might contribute to the, the cure for cancer or... No. <laughs>
1: some some else is going to...
2: <laughs> exactly. And actually, we, we referred them to someone who was going to do a much better job for them. So yeah. nobody's been turned away. We wouldn't have done the best job for them. Whereas with Burt Marine, I think we, we could. And we are, and we will, I hope. Yeah. Um, they had a unique challenge in that the brand was very well established. Its heritage, you know, it's been around for ages. And, you know, there are salty sea dogs in their 60s wearing Burt Marine. Yeah. The challenge, the reason why they applied is because it's recently been acquired and the new owner is keen to um, up-level and left-level it. Um,
1: What's left-level?
2: You know, move it to a different zone. All right, like
1: a lateral kind (laughs) of, yeah.
2: So improve what's there and shift it into another dimension completely. Yeah. Um, And that's what we're all about. You know, that lights us up and that's a space where we feel we could actually deliver some value. And I can't tell you too much about it, unfortunately. But that was the decision.
0: We'll have Simon on in a year or something, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: totally. (laughs) He he can follow up and tell you what a brilliant job we did, how effective it's been.
1: Are you going to do jet back again?
2: Um, Probably not. It was a brilliant exercise, and we had a lot of fun doing it, and we met some incredible people along the way. Um, But it was quite um, taxing on the resource side of things, Mm -hmm. and you know, we, we really. We did it to be concentrating on commercial work and attracting quality commercial work, and, and that's going to be the focus for the next couple of years. Yeah.
0: Being in the northern beaches, mm-hmm. and I mean, we're sitting here in Surrey Hills, right? In, res- yeah. in Reservoir Street, from a business perspective. That used to be cool. <laughs> it used to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking. Frost has off- gone, Hoyne's gone. Yeah. Staples of the community, and they've abandoned us. <sighs> um, we'll follow them in uh, another five years. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then they'll move. <laughs> they'll all go out <laughs> west, right? Um, has has there been discussion about, I'm not saying you should be here, but it seems like um, it's a uh, different, different way to do business maybe. There might be a lot of clients here. Do you come to clients? How does the logistics work?
2: It's a very good question, and it's one annually we review, and we just can't leave Brookvale because we have it too good. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible space.
1: Sounds great to me.
2: Yeah, the rent is unbelievable. Mm. Um in, in this you day have and age. to stop saying that because yeah. the
1: landlord might be listening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it.
3: Um,
2: I, I think he's in his 80s or 90s. And I think in this day and age, in our industry, geographically where you sit is almost, I'm going to say it, irrelevant. Mm. I think, you know, for, um, for you guys it's totally appropriate. You need to be close to central and somewhere, you know, where students can get to easily and safely leave late, late at night. Yeah. Um, But for us, it it just doesn't matter. Um, With tools like Skype and Dropbox and email even, uh, in this day and age, physically where you are doesn't matter so much. And if there is a pitch or a client meeting, it took me 30 minutes to get here in my car this evening and I got a rock star park out the front. Rock star park, Yeah, Yeah, it's easily done. Equally, you know, some of our clients... Um, are refreshed to come out to Brookvale and have a meeting out there. Yeah, and, you know, that's not surprising. And, yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's a bit. It's another sort of unique.
1: Take them for a swim.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. take them down the, down the beach for a presentation. Yeah, breathe some of that good curly air in. You know.
1: <laughs> cool. Great.
2: Yeah. Awesome. We won't be going anywhere anytime soon, that's for sure.
0: Cool, we might, all, we might all end up moving up up to you yeah. in the next couple of years. That's what, that's right. I recommend it, and actually yeah.
2: Brookvale is, is changing. Um, we've been there 10 years now, and it really was you know, brothels and smash repair shops back then. Now there's media companies moving in and really cool Brooklyn-style coffee shops, and mm. um, yeah, it's changing And the area just behind us actually has been gazetted for um, residential and retail. So that's going to change things again.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. We were just 10 years too soon.
0: <laughs> Perfect time to get in there. Great, time, yeah. yeah. Look at, so. look at yeah. your rent.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I think that takes us to the end, end of the show. It was a great chat. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for coming in.
2: Thanks, chaps. It's been a pleasure.
0: Um, so what we usually do is we go around the table and just find out where people can find you yeah. um, afterwards. Um, so, Matt, where can people find you if they don't um, know by episode
1: 38? Yeah, the, oh, episode 38. Um, so at Leechworth On I, I forgot just then. At yep. Leachworth on Twitter. Great. And Lara, where
0: where would you where would people find out more about you? You can point them anywhere.
2: Um, goodness!
0: Knock on the front door, or <laughs> <laughs> don't give your home address. That happened once. We had that did edit it. happen <laughs> once. <months.
1: laughs>
2: um, well, through through my companies, really. Mm. I'm Lara at at both of them. Shoot me an email:
1: nationalgrid.com.au the NationalGrid.
2: and thedrawingarm.com.au. They're both Aussie companies. Cool. And. Um, yeah, I I do check all of my emails. In fact, you know, someone asked me what I, I do these days. I'm pretty much a professional emailer yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. I
3: feel and I
1: feel that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm just ignoring it. I'm at five hundred on red
0: today. Yeah. You realise that's the same as just ignoring your emails. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay.
2: Simon's the same. Is he? <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. And he's got one of the untidiest inboxes I've ever seen, whereas mine's all like anally sorted into groups and categories. That's <laughs> sort of a We are opposites, and that's why it works.
0: I know you're on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that that you want to point the people to, or you want to keep that private, you can.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I am on Instagram, but all you will see is pictures of my beautiful boys. Right. Um, If you want to see the more illustrative stuff or the commercial stuff, the National Grid and the Drawing Arm are both on Instagram.
3: Great.
2: Uh, we're going through a bit of an overhaul with both of those actually. So what's coming is going to be more interesting as as we're planning it at the moment. Cool. But there's plenty on there already. Great. Um, I do have a Twitter account and I tweet very rarely. Yep.
3: <laughs> I do. I do too.
2: It's got to be really good if I'm going to twat about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Okay, we'll make make sure you follow them. The um, Thank you for listening to... Where,
1: where can we find you, Flynn?
0: Oh, right. Well, I was going to get to that. So um, you can follow me on everything at Flynn Tracy, um, pretty much every platform. It's nice and easy having a weird name, but you just get everything. So thank you for listening to Australian Design Radio. You can find this episode and more on australiandesignradio.symbolcast.fm. That's going to change soon. Yeah. Um, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUSDesignRadio.
1: We've got a new brand coming.
0: Right. Yeah, so for, for the loyal listeners just before we, we kind of um, check off, probably one more episode where we'll have uh, amazing guests like Laura and then we'll do our 40th episode and we'll hopefully around the time that we do the branding. Yes,
1: I'm very excited about
0: it. Coming it's, it's been, very soon.
1: Yeah, we, it's been a long time coming but, but wanting to get it right and it's been really exciting. I can't wait for people to see it. So. Yeah, very exciting. Thanks. See you later. Thank you very much.
2: My absolute pleasure. Thank you, chaps. Bye.